Hello, everybody. You're listening to the Big Chill Podcast. This is episode 534, Worst First Kiss. Back to the Big Chill Podcast. I'm Frank, joined as always with Eddie. Eddie, how's it going? How was the weekend? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, was out Saturday and Sunday. I've actually got a, an old man rant relating to bar behavior for you. <laughs> real, real. Wait, 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 wait. Let me get. I want to guess on like the the topic of, okay. of bar behavior. Is it? How to order and speak to a bartender. No. No. I knew it wasn't because I knew you hate those. <laughs> you hate when bartenders make those lists on BuzzFeed about like yeah. how terrible it is being a bartender. Okay. Yeah, it's... Um, okay. It's going to be, is it watching sports at a bar? No. It's, oh, it's wow. Birth- That's a hot one for you. It's birthday related. Birthing or birthday? Birthday. Was no, someone birthing in the bar? <laughs> no one was birthing in the bar. Birthday related. Okay, so, did they make everyone take a shot for their birthday and no, force f- it down people's throats? I'm fine with that. So it's basically, I think you've got a quota. Already, I think the over-the-top birthday celebrations, once you're over, once you're post-college, is like unnecessary. For a significant birthday, I get What it. about milestones? Yeah, okay. Yeah, milestone so like birthday. 40, 50, 65? 100%. But if you're turning 100. 20... If you're turning 27 and you had to get all of your friends together and they're giving you gifts and stuff, it's a little bit extreme to me. Now, I'm fine with that going. Wow, we actually some... agree on this. I am very anti-birthday party stuff or like celebrating with, like, it. Getting a couple of drinks because someone goes, oh, hey, Frank, it's your birthday. Do you want to go for a drink after work? No. Something like that. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> Leave me alone. <laughs> That's my the present I want from you is less interaction, please. But I'm I'm fine with that. But you know, having forty of your friends already, it's, it's too many friends. You know, there's a moment in time too. You got to give up on the college concept of friends. You get yourself. Is down. it maybe we're just not popular? Is this the issue? Do we just not have friends? <laughs> so therefore, we can't really. Should we not be commenting on this? <laughs> no, I just think in general. I think you know, people. You got to cut yourself down to like a core five to ten people. Core four. <laughs> yeah. No, I think five to ten. Are we the Miami Heat? Yeah. And but or my, I should say the New York Yankees. <laughs> once you're four. once you're all together, and you're in a bar, the singing of Happy Birthday is a little over the top to me for the most part. I certainly don't want anyone to sing me happy birthday. It's more embarrassing than it is anything else. I see where this is going. It's the how older you are afterwards that really gets you, isn't it? No. <laughs> it's if you're going to do all of this, which I've already ex- expressed I'm not really totally on board with, but if you're going to do all of this, you're limited to one happy birthday singing session. The number of times I'm out... And basically every round of shots instigates another happy birthday. (laughs) And you have people who get happy birthday sung to them six or seven times in an evening. That's just... Now, I want a clarification here. Is this French people singing it in English? And is that part of the allure that you're singing it in English and they think it's humorous? 
No, no, no. This is French people singing in French. Okay. But regardless, language is not a factor here. Nationality is not a factor here. It is okay. purely just, I, 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 you're going to annoy me. Can I get a clarification on the sex and gender of this person? <laughs> um, I actually don't know because this is the other thing that was confusing. Don't everybody, know like you couldn't tell? Or? I couldn't tell whose birthday it was because oh, okay. every, everybody was, no, no, I could tell. Well, uh, gender, who knows, but uh, certainly I could tell what roughly what the group was made up of, but I couldn't tell whose birthday it was because they sang happy birthday collectively six or seven times and everyone sang. So whoever, whoever now maybe it was multiple people's birthday and maybe this would be their excuse for why they didn't, but it wasn't seven people's birthday, but you know, it just, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like such an attention seeking move. That's what also bothers me. In general, I'm anti-attention seeking when you're out. Like I like having fun with my friends. I don't like engaging in activities where you can tell one of the primary goals is to get everyone else in the bar to be like, look at those cool guys. So the multiple verses of happy birthday, it's just too much for me. Yeah, I am actually like anti-everything birthday. I am Ron Swanson on this, that birthdays were an invention by Hallmark trading card companies to to get money. But no, like I I don't really care like if people say happy birthday to me or like send me a text. I don't want to go out to dinner because it's my birthday. Like I don't want to acknowledge the fact that I'm getting older and closer to death. Like let's go celebrate that. Great. <laughs> that's a dark twist. <laughs> It is pretty dark, but that's the way I'm a dark thinking person when it comes okay. to birthdays. But like it to me, there's no distinction of that day compared to other days. Like it wasn't I accomplished anything. I mean, I like I like getting some messages from people just so you yeah, know. Yeah, because you love attention. You're a attention whore. No, it just shows that they, <laughs> you know, put some thought. No, into I don't. It. I don't. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't need dislike. a present. But I don't dislike if someone sends me something, but I don't get mad if someone doesn't, is what I'm saying. Uh, I don't get mad, but there's definitely... Now, here's the thing is, if I know that that person would not want, would not get, say you, for example, I would have no judgment for you not wishing me a happy birthday because I know that you're not expecting it in return. However, I do know people who would get offended if I didn't send them at least a message saying happy birthday. But and that's birth- why Sam's not on the podcast anymore. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but my my birthday will slip by and nothing happens. And that inconsistency, then that bothers me. There's like, I've got a short list in my head of people where it's like, when June 20th rolls around, I better be getting a message from you because I know you're expecting a message back from me at some point over the course of the year. Yeah. I mean, I, I, at least you're consistent because I know this is your rule with Christmas cards as well. If you get Christmas card, you will send Christmas card in return. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Even when yours turns up in yeah. March. <laughs> but no. Yeah. Well, I'll give you, obviously, someone's got to take the lead. So if I send you a Christmas card and the following year I don't get one, you're off the list. This is... <laughs> I love it. You're not on the list in perpetuity. Unless you're, I mean, except for a handful of people, again. Like, I would always send my parents a Christmas card. But here's my issue with that. Here's my issue with that. A lot of times in the, I think this is more in the States than in in Europe. 
you get the like, here's a picture of my family postcard, oh, like greetings. Yeah. Now, if that's what you're sending, do you still expect to get something in return? Because you can mass send those out. I mean, if you're set, because that's like at that point, if you're sending it to 10 people, you send it to 50 people because it costs you $10 more and you, and you look better as a person because you've sent out Christmas cards, but they're not really cards. <laughs> if you've bothered, you could send me a blank piece of paper. If you've bothered. I'm to... writing that down right now. <laughs> I'm going you... I'm gonna, I'm gonna to waste $25 in shipping <laughs> to send you a blank piece of paper. I'll might even frame it for you. <laughs> well, then I would that I would, I'll put a blank piece of paper on my wall just for a, t- oh, like a talking, a talking point. I am writing that down <laughs> right now. That is your Christmas present next year. But better read nice paper though. But yeah, I'll, my... I'll talk to Dunder Mifflin. Give me the good stuff. <laughs> but if you've gone through the trouble, like, because even if it's a mass mail thing, you still had to keep track of my address, write it on an envelope, go to the post office. It's still a hassle. Like, no one loves sending letters. So if you've gone through that, I will appreciate that, like, regardless. Even if you just send, I mean, to go the more realistic step above the blank piece of paper, even if you just sent me like a Christmas card that didn't have even a signature on it, it was literally, hey, it's got your address on the front and it just says Merry Christmas and I know who it's from. I would still, I wouldn't be like, this asshole didn't even write me a message. I would think, okay, that was still, you know, because my Christmas card, I'm not sending, I know what you're talking about, you're talking about that like year long family update, like this year, Frank. Oh uh, no, that's craziness. Like yeah. the, there's like a letter attached to it, almost like yeah. a newsletter, like a yearly yeah. newsletter. Like here's maybe an I'll start doing it. that, and it'll be like two sentences. <laughs> Frank made got it, older and was mad about his birthday. <laughs> made it through another year. Frank is one year closer to death. Merry Christmas. <laughs> Happy holidays. <laughs> Hope I see you next year. Okay, I got I got one more on the birthday front for you. Now, this, I think, is another cultural thing between America and Europe. Let's say you're at work. Let's start at work. You're at work. You're celebrating your birthday. Who's buying, you, who's buying the cake for your birthday? So I would never, I'll preface this by saying I've never celebrated my birthday at work. I think most of my colleagues have never known my birthday. And that's you kind are of Ron Swanson. <laughs> I just, but sometimes just sort of through osmosis, it spreads around the office. So, well, let's because, let's pick someone up who does has celebrated a birthday in your work. Well, it's been highly political at times because, for example, one company I worked at, they someone who was quite popular in the office, her birthday came around and everyone knew. So at lunch someone else went out and bought a birthday cake. And then uh. that raised the how come no one bought me a birthday cake discussion. <laughs> I like that drama. <laughs> and so then they decided, a little Dunder Mifflin-esque, that a committee would be formed. And that the, <laughs> the, the, there was party a party planning committee? Yeah. The PPC? And the, yeah. And that part of their responsibility is to make sure that everyone's birthday got identical treatment. All I will say is, not everyone's birthday got identical treatment, which wow. upset people even more 
that now they knew actually it was somebody's responsibility, but they were still only focusing on the people that they <laughs> liked the most. So I think if I had my own company. Would you require have, people to bring their own? No birthdays celebration policy. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I that, but, but, but like the bringing your own, that kind of solves a little bit. Cause it's like, if you want to celebrate your birthday or like you feel bad, if people don't celebrate your birthday, then you bring in the cake and start the celebration off. And that yes. alleviates people like you who don't want to celebrate or have their birthday known. You just shut your trap and don't, don't bring in a cake. <laughs> I couldn't do it. I just think that's sad. Like, and I can't even imagine like going to buy a cake, a birthday cake that said, you know, happy, <laughs> happy birthday. You go to some bakery. Can you make it out to Frank? Oh, is that your son? No, that's <laughs> no, me. No, it's me. <laughs> oh, buying your own birthday cake. <laughs> Can yeah. you put little transformers on it? And <laughs> this is the cake I always wanted as a kid, but never got. Finally, Frank I get really the... likes hockey. Can you can you make it <laughs> hockey themed? Oh, your son plays hockey? No, no, I play hockey. <laughs> yeah. Can, oh, do you want to approve the design before you make it? No, 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 no. Make it a surprise. Uh, I want people to see a realistic <laughs> reaction when I open the box of the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's interesting. Okay, then let let me second that. You now go out for drinks. Let's say after work or just with your friends for your birthday. Who pays the tab? Do you pick up the tab for the birthday person or does the birthday person pay for everyone for coming to celebrate their birthday? No, this I'm a, I've got strong opinions on. The birthday person does not pay. Birthday person does not pay. No. If I go out for drinks with someone on their birthday and we're running a tab, at the end when we go to settle the tab, that is a discussion you that cut I him will, out. I will yeah, I'll be like, okay, we're there's five of us, this is getting divided by four, and let's go. That's that's an easy one for me. Okay. And I, I find that weird when someone's like, no, no, you guys have come out for my birthday. Uh, I'll get it. Unless you're telling me that this person is, you know, 10 times wealthier than I am, in which case, <laughs> knock yourself out. But in a, you know, in an, under normal circumstances, no, you, I, I do not expect to pay for drinks when it's my birthday. And I would never so, make someone pay for drinks when it's theirs. So that my last question now is... You have a birthday that coincides with us going out pretty much for a week straight. Does that mean you don't expect to pay that entire week? Are you are, are you subscribing to the birthday week philosophy here? Yeah. No. That's different too, though. That's actually where I do feel it puts us in an awkward position because we have this annual friends trip we go on that just happens to coincide with my birthday. I don't like the idea of that trip in any way being co-opted into a birthday trip, if you see what I mean. So then I'm very happy to avoid the birthday element of it. Did, did I just out you? Are you playing the long game here? You slowly <laughs> want to transition it from an Ascot trip to an Eddie's birthday yeah. trip? <laughs> yeah. I'll save it for like when I turn 50. And people are like, oh, this is cool. All your friends came on your 50th birthday. Oh, we've been yeah. coming to celebrate my birthday for, thir for 30 years. <laughs> They We've been coming me. to Ascot for 30 years to celebrate my birthday. We happen to go to races sometimes when we're here because they're going on the same time. But yes, we celebrate my birthday. But no, yeah, that's that's one where I'm, I'm very happy for that not to be. I never want someone to feel as if part of the motivation of that trip is like, why do we go to Ascot instead of Glorious Goodwood or something? It's like, well, because it's Eddie's birthday. You know, I don't want that to ever be the, the discussion that takes place. 
I would never, ever go to Goodwood <laughs> for that festival in my <laughs> life. You could rather if the easier option would be to go to my bank account, ask for the codes to my to my accounts, and just take the money from me <laughs> because there's no chance I win anything at that stupid fucking place. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's that, that. There's my weekend rant on on bar behavior. I will say what's tough, too, is when you're with. So I had the experience uh, on Sunday. I played hockey and then we there's a bar at the rink. So we kind of stay and have a drink or whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'll stay for a drink. Um, and then it happened to be someone's birthday. And then I got coerced into taking multiple shots at like three in the afternoon and you can't say no you know you can like no, no i'm not gonna take a shot for your birthday but it was like next thing i know it's like oh great i've had three jaeger shots wonderful like it's three in the afternoon i gotta drive home and do some work <laughs> yeah no when you inadvertently end up on someone else's birthday drink session that can be a bit uncomfortable and that's where i do feel sorry sometimes i have similarly been like after after the office, people saying, you know, let's go out for Jim's birthday. It's uh, everyone let's go for a drink. And you see the group. Halpert? Yeah. <laughs> staying on the office theme here. But you see the group filter down really quickly. And someone like a colleague you don't have, you know, don't speak to that often and have that much in common. And all of a sudden it's down to you and sort of two, three other people. And then it puts you in the, I feel bad leaving now. Even though, like, I'm sure you were expecting more from this particular celebration and session, but I think I have to back out because you don't want to be the absolute last person. Because the one, if you end up in a one-on-one situation, that's that's really tough. Brutal. Gotta talk about the person's birthday, and you're the only one left. <laughs> Just singing "Happy Birthday" solo to them. <laughs> now to take a a truly dark twist off of that with youth talking about how you don't like celebrating birthdays because it takes you one year closer to death. I don't know if you saw over the weekend, former NFL player, Byron Jones. Did you see his comments? I did not. So he came out and said in a, in a series of tweets, basically speaking about his physical condition that he now finds himself in. So he tweeted out, it was uh much has changed in eight years, which is he's eight years on from when he entered into the NFL. So we're not talking about someone who played. So he, had, he played for the Dallas Cowboys for a while and the Miami Dolphins for a while. I think he had a six-year NFL career in total. But he said, much has changed in eight years. Today I can't run or jump because of my injuries sustained playing this game. Do not take the pills they give you. Do not take the injections they give you. If you absolutely must, consult an outside doctor to learn the long-term implications. It was an honor and a privilege to play in the NFL, but it came at a regrettable cost I did not foresee. In my opinion, no amount of professional success or financial gain is worth avoidable chronic pain and disabilities. Godspeed to the draft class of 2023. Wow. I mean, he's probably not wrong, but I think... That's what each person has to weigh up and, you know, do they want to risk? I mean, because obviously not everyone who plays yeah. in the NFL is coming out like that, but that is a risk that you're going to have to take. And, I, and I'm, there probably are, you know, well, we know there are more serious outcomes than even that. 
You know, I mean, look at players like Junior Seau. I mean, they're yeah. They when you're talking, yes, yeah, CT and and brain trauma, I think bad knees and a bad back or you know whatever it is is obviously preferable. I guess it might surprise some people to see that level of chronic pain when you're still his age and in very good shape and not that far removed. I think I think people would probably imagine that's the kind of thing like when you get into your 50s, your knees are going to be wrecked. They're not yep. imagining when you're 30 that you're not going to be able to run anymore. That might surprise yep. a few people. I do agree with you. You know, most of the information is out there. It is up to the individual then. It's easier said than done if you're talented and this is your shot at making millions of dollars and, you know, changing the family for changing the the future for you and your family. But you do need that full transparency. So it'd be interesting to see, for example, the NFL Players Association, would they be brave enough to have someone like him come and speak to the draft class, you know, kind of in the build up when they're, you know, they go through all that financial planning lessons that they give, you know, NFL prospects and stuff. Are they going to have someone sit like a full, are they going to have a former player sit down and tell them? That's hey, the NFL. They told you to shut up. <laughs> Computer is Cease and desist me. this conversation right now. <laughs> this podcast is getting shut down by Roger Goodell. But now it would be interesting to see if they're having you know, players who have suffered from those types of injuries and worse come in to say, like, I didn't have a particularly long NFL career and these, this is the condition I find myself in now. Yeah, I'll never forget. I saw um, Randy Moss one time. This is really weird, but it was like in a Florida airport shuttle at like midnight one day. It had to be about six, seven years ago now. So he how, had just... How confident are you that this was Randy Moss? 100%. 100% confident. Like the clothes he was wearing gave it away. Um, and I mean, he had like a New England Patriots sweatshirt and then had like Louis Vuitton bag, you know, okay. like... So could, far, I, mean, I don't know if the clothes have convinced me, but I'll trust that you... Okay. Did he have a hundred percent a name tag that um, said Randy? Moss? Because there was also someone else with me who didn't know who that was, and then I like held up the picture of him and said like, "What?" Are you? And they were like, "Oh yeah, that's definitely him, hundred percent." Anyway, we were in like this airport shuttle bus at like midnight, and he could almost like barely walk. Like it was brutal watching him with. You could just tell his knees and his legs were just shot. And he was like struggling to walk. And I think this was kind of fresh off of him ending his career where the back end of his career, he did struggle a lot with injuries. So maybe now, obviously, it's not as bad. But just watching, I mean, he was like a guy in his, what, mid to late 30s that was at the top of physical peak condition, could like jump over six foot humans. And at this point, is like struggling to walk from the back of the bus to the front of the bus. It was it was kind of depressing to watch now obviously he's made a career because he's randy moss and now he's on television but there are a lot of athletes who don't have that uh ability to you know still do things that in in the nfl or outside the nfl to make money and you know rely on being able to walk still um so it was it was crazy yeah no and and it's difficult it's always a difficult conversation to have right because a vast majority of sports fans would say it's probably worth it for the experience that you get, for the money that you earn, to get to live your dreams. I mean, if we take the Byron Jones example, he has career earnings of 
$36.5 million. Uh, uh, sorry, of now even more, of $69 million from eight seasons in the end he played. Nice. <laughs> That's why he signed off. Got to that number. That was the, uh, the figure he had in mind. But, you know, you look at that, and most people would probably say, yeah, for that amount of money, I would take terrible knees. But then they're not really a bad back. But they're not really imagining just how much that could how affect brutal it life. is. Yeah, like yeah. people are always like, oh, okay, so your knees are a bit stiff and you walk slowly and okay, you can't run anymore. They're not really imagining every 24 hours a day for the remainder of your life feeling uncomfortable yeah. and not being able to move properly, not being able to you know, play with your kids properly, get places yeah. easily, all those sorts of things. And you're like, then you're that friend who like when you're walking to go somewhere is always trailing behind, slowing the group up takes forever to get up the stairs and down the stairs. You got to be that guy. You know, no one wants to be that guy. <laughs> I mean, also too, I mean, it means you've got to think about like, where are you going to live? Probably don't want to live in a house with multiple flights of stairs, for example, then. Or a place like, even that's cold hurts your yeah, joints. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But no, it's... I um, mean, this reminds me, this is a perfect segue, Eddie, because one of, one of the, not trends, I should say, but one of the things that has been happening in NFL, right, is players are retiring early to kind of prevent some of these things from happening and kind of saying like, I had a decent short career, made some money, but I want to get out before I have serious injuries or serious concerns. One of them being Blake Martinez, who played for a decent amount of time, but still had a few years left in him for sure. And abruptly left, he was playing for the Giants and then the Las Vegas Raiders and then retired last year. And he had made kind of that little headline of he had sold like a Pokemon card the week after retired for $700,000. It has now since come out in the seven months since he's retired, he's earned more than $5 million trading Pokemon cards. Well, and his thing. quote, wait, wait, I want to read his quote because it kind of like goes with what we're talking about. He goes, every single day when I wake up, my shoulder doesn't hurt and my back doesn't hurt anymore. When all that hurts are my fingers from opening about a thousand packs of cards per day, I think... I'm going to keep doing this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I do like the, and I'm sure he's being open there about the amount of money that he's made, but I would be interested to see, oh yeah, he's earned $5 million selling Pokemon cards, but spent $28 million. Is that gross or net? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> buying Pokemon cards. But yeah, no, like I can, and I also think the other thing people have to accept for a significant percentage of professional athletes, we all imagine that this was their dream career. For a lot of them, they just were really good at playing a sport. They might not yep. have even loved it. Like it's just, well, I'm seven foot two and reasonably coordinated, so I guess I'm going to play high school basketball. I guess I'm going to get a college scholarship. Oh, someone's drafted me in the NBA. I guess I'll do that for a while. But I really actually kind of hate playing basketball, but I'll do yep. it because it's making me a ton of money. And then that changes the calculation then in your mind about when you want to retire because, okay, I've now made enough money to have a really great life. I actually didn't really enjoy doing this. And I do think it's one of the issues as obviously. Who, who was the, uh, that to me rings home for the Niners linebacker. Who was that again? Oh, the that one retired who, the, super the, early. Yeah. With the, cause he was worried about CTE. Yeah. He and, retired after like three or four seasons. Like and, he, like when he interviewed, he kind of said, I just happened to be good at this. You know, and I knew I could make some money from it, but it's not his full passion. He's not, you know, wasn't 
his lifetime goal and that was it. That's all he wanted to do was be in the NFL. Yeah. Chris, Chris Borland. Yeah. Chris Borland. There you go. Yeah. No. Yeah. And, and it's a difficult conversation to have as a professional athlete. I remember, I think it was Asu Okoto, the Spurs player. He came out and said he really didn't like football. He was just good at it. And you get a huge backlash then from fans. Like it's as if you're insulting them, but I mean, people have to have the kind of realistic conversations do you absolutely love your job or is it just a job to you? And there's going to be a decent number of professional athletes for whom it's just a job. It's just instead of, you know, doing writing code as a software engineer and they were reasonably good at that, they're good at kicking a ball or throwing a ball or catching a ball. It's, it's kind of no different for some of them. And then the other part of it too, right, is just how quickly and early in their careers they are earning kind of ungodly sums of money, which puts people in this position to then be able to retire, you know, before you needed to play a 15 year NFL career to get anywhere close to being able to retire comfortably. You also needed to have those years, you know, in terms of like the NF, the pension schemes that they have, we have to have a certain number of years active to be able to qualify for that pension. Like I think in major league baseball, for example, to have the full pension, you need to play 10 years in the league. You know, previously that would have been a huge consideration for people, but if you've signed one $500 million contract and you've played eight seasons, I don't know if hanging on for an extra two seasons is necessarily going to be a, you know, the thing where you go, I've got to get that pension. Otherwise, what am I going to do? How am I going to survive on the, you know, quarter of a billion dollars that I have currently sitting in assets? And then I guess talking about people making ungodly sums of money from their sporting ventures. Is this a Jake... Ronaldo hat trick alert? No. I was gonna say Have Jake you seen Paul. that? I think he's got like back-to-back yeah, hat tricks. No, I was going to say Jake Paul, an even more depressing topic, oh. but who obviously lost to Tommy Fury yesterday, but claims to have made $30 million from the fight. So yep. says it's worth it. It's 100% fixed. There's no yeah. doubt in my mind this is fixed because I, I I texted you and I don't actually know if this is true, but two people have told me it. So I'm thinking maybe it's true that in their contracts, Fury did not have a clause that said if he lost, he could get a rematch, but that Paul had a clause that if he lost, he can automatically basically get a rematch. And to me, this is the perfect like, oh my God, look, I lost. Now we're going to have a rematch and make even more money. And yeah. now I'm going to beat them. <laughs> well, because it's interesting in a way. I was thinking about it today. Losing almost legitimizes his boxing career more because it strangely takes away the accusation of, well, you only fight against these people who you know you can absolutely beat and you don't fight against legitimate boxers. But now it's, well, I lost though. So I'm obviously doing it for real because... I took on a challenging fight against a professional boxer and I lost. What more do you want from me? Now I'm going to have the rematch. Now I'm going to prepare for it. Now I'm going to beat him. And in a way, you know, all the skeptics would have been dismissed him had he won. They would have just said, it's a fix. And plus Tommy Fury isn't that good of a boxer. And the only reason why we know who he is is because of who his brother is. But this now makes everything a little bit more interesting and might help him maybe to land more fights in the future. It's just such a weird talking about motivation. I don't get it. If you're him, I mean, he doesn't need the money and it just seems so weird to me to 
kind of, I, I guess you just want the attention, but then again, he could get more attention doing other things. It's a really, I mean, I guess he loves boxing. I mean, that can be the only real justification is that he's in love with fighting, but it's such a strange thing. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's really weird. And I, I, this is another one is how long is he going to do this when he has no need to do it and potentially could only be hurting himself? <laughs> yeah. I mean, he's, he's 26. So you got to stick around till you're 30 trying. I mean, it could be worse. At least he's not. I was reading a Twitter thread going into the claims of Floyd Mayweather uh, talking about, cause he's been over in the UK and he just promotes the weird. So he was at a speaking of, you can maybe opportunity to give fans an update on your uh, rink situation because he was over uh, Floyd Mayweather was over in London and did a paid promotion for a skating rink uh, was like, and so there's pictures going around of him on, uh, on skates. And by this, I mean like roller skates. So, you know, like to music, you know, those the thing people do kind of dancing around as they, as the music yeah. plays. <laughs> and there's a picture of Floyd Mayweather they're doing this. And this, this Twitter thread basically had investigated all of these recent paid promotions that he's had that are truly bizarre. I mean, really small, small places that he has accepted money to go and promote. And the question was, if he's truly a billionaire, why on earth would he be doing this? Like same, he charges, I think it's $49 on Cameo. He's super active on Cameo. Now, $49? I think it is, yeah, to get Floyd Mayweather to send you the 15-second message he's going to send you. The argument would be you can crank you know, however many of those out in an hour-long period. It's a lot of money. Like It's going to add up pretty quickly. But if you're a billionaire, they, I mean, in the article, they were like, would Jeff Bezos be on Cameo for $49 recording you a message? It's a little bit strange. <laughs> that is kind of weird. I didn't even know it was $49. That's awesome. But I did not watch the fight. Uh, I have not even seen the highlights of it. Um, I, The only thing I was able to do was read the like round-by-round round summary that was being updated on, I think, ESPN. Uh, but yeah, I did not watch it, so I can't really comment on the level of the boxing or how close it was. Um, I think Jake Paul like kind of admitted that he did lose, but then said he scored it differently and he thought that he might have won, but admits that he lost. So it's kind of one of those like, yeah, I lost, but I didn't really lose. <laughs> but maybe I did. But I'm saying I lost. <laughs> so I'm humble, but yeah. I definitely won. <laughs> yeah, because he can't be the sore loser. That's the one thing he has to avoid, right? But at the same time, because it's impossible in boxing. Like that's the other, the just the level of testosterone. testosterone. I said that in a weird way. But, and I get it, it's a combat sport but it's strange to me that the fact that ever really admitting that you were not the best on the day is seen as a fatal flaw like you so rarely see fighters come out and say yeah he was better than me or or she was better than me on the but i'll get him next time that's right oh this guy's head's not in the game what a loser admitting that he was beaten speaking of being beaten i guess the only Besides the NBA, uh, the only major sport that is really going on right now, well, and hockey, uh, but we don't ever discuss hockey, <laughs> uh, is European football. And uh, 
Chelsea continued to <laughs> just get <laughs> trampled. Um, so I have to ask, is this one of the most uh, worst managing aspects of a franchise you've seen in a long time? And I, I, I mean, managing both on the pitch and off the pitch from like a general manager standpoint with, you know, all the money they've spent in yeah. now the past year and bringing in all these transfers and at this point cannot even get a goal on the board, let alone a win. <laughs> well, you, you'll have triggered some football fans there by referring to it as a uh, franchise. So we've got to, sorry, got to acknowledge that a little bit, but I mean, it definitely, it's, things are not going well, which is a, is an understatement. You look through that list of players that they've signed since Todd Bowley's bought the club. And I think what I struggle with is I don't think there's a ton of quality really for the amount of money that they have spent. There's certainly, you know, there's going to be one or two players that who, who do really work out, but there are at least, you know, 60, 70% of them are probably duds. So from a signing perspective, things are not going well. From Graham Potter's perspective, I think he probably will. At, deep down, I bet he regrets taking the job. He couldn't, there was no way you could turn down that job because, you know, it's like, is often spoken about in sport. You just don't know when that opportunity will come back around. That might be the only time he was ever going to be offered a, a job at a, you know, a big four, big five team. You have to, you absolutely have to take it, even if you have reservations. And also, as with any sport too, once you've kind of coached at that level, it often puts you in the discussion. Like even if he's, you know, fired at the end of the season, it will still, it'll be like Graham Potter, former Chelsea manager, which will then legitimize his inclusion in, well, who's going to be the next Spurs manager? Yeah. You know, like yeah. all of a sudden you're on that list, even though people admit that it was a total failure. It's difficult. And they say they're going to give him time. When you've just had this ownership change, one of the things they will want to, want to prove is stability and commitment to a long-term project. And so chopping and changing your manager might make fans even more skeptical, you know, concerned. But yeah, it's it's difficult to see what the positives are. They're obviously not going to get Champions League football this season, which means signing more players is going to become harder and harder. That also then has an impact on their revenue, which means the financial fair play restrictions in future seasons, they're not going to be able to spend as much money. There is a belief amongst Chelsea supporters, one of whom being friend of the podcast, Ollie, they are just going to be able to offload a significant number of these players this summer to kind of recoup a bunch of that cash. I don't know who these highly in-demand Chelsea players are that big clubs across Europe are going to be snapping up, but well, I guess we'll see. <laughs> I mean, the thing they have to be really grateful for, though, is the continued struggles at Liverpool kind of takes some of the attention off of what's going on at Chelsea. Because yeah. I guess most people, given the fact that Liverpool have been right in the title race for the past few seasons, have won the Champions League in the past few seasons. I mean, I know Chelsea have as well, but theirs was a bit more of a surprise. 
even though Liverpool are having a better season than Chelsea are, it's probably they're they're both probably helping each other out because they're splitting some of that attention on wow, look at this disaster, this absolute train wreck that's happening here. They're both taking a little bit of that attention away from each other. And obviously since we last spoke, Liverpool had that Champions League performance, you know, two nil up at home to Real Madrid inside fourteen minutes and ended up losing five two in what was, I think, one of the worst sixty minutes performances I've ever watched from a team. And I do think if I were Jurgen Klopp, <laughs> I would be assessing my options. Because I think Liverpool have that look about them of a team that just have lost belief. And usually when that happens, I think that means the manager is starting to lose the dressing room. That he, you need a new person in then to try and get some energy back in. But it just feels as if things are slipping away from them in every aspect of their play. And you then, unless he's been promised a huge war chest this summer, a Chelsea style, you know, multiple hundreds of millions of pounds to go out and sign players. If that's been promised to Jurgen Klopp, then I can get why he's staying around, but they need four or five, six players for their starting 11 to put themselves even back into the, into the, you know, consideration for being a title challenger. And I, I just can't see that happening. Especially then when you think City aren't going anywhere unless there's a penalty for this, their financial ongoings. That's the one thing that might, you know, throw the cat amongst the pigeons here. Maybe City have a huge points deduction. Potential relegation is being discussed. I don't think that will happen, but probably a points deduction might be the most extreme version of, of a penalty. United don't look like they're going anywhere because they seem to get better and better almost every week. And then you have to think that Arsenal maybe will take a step back. This might be their kind of perfect season, but they're definitely not going to go from what they are now to sort of sixth or seventh in the next couple of years. Oh, is now what Liverpool did? <laughs> it is, but Liverpool are aging, right? Arsenal yeah, are actually true. a relatively young yes. squad, so you'd have to think that they will just get, that they're not going to lose any key players over the next few seasons and, You'd expect that some of those players will continue to get a bit better. You know, the likes of Odegaard and Saka, you know, those are key players who are yet to even hit their prime. So they should continue to improve. And then they, you know, they are a team that signs relatively well on a pretty consistent basis. So you also think they will add strength, even if they don't spend huge sums of money. Uh, But it's just, it's a bleak outlook for both Chelsea and Liverpool. It really is. I mean, it's, and they have to, whilst they might be taking attention away from each other, there has to be a little bit of a stare down there because there's like, maybe At only... least we're not that bad. You know, well, like, no. I we're not doing there's... so great, but at least we're not them. <laughs> but I think it's also, there's only room for one of them to truly recover. So that's the, that's the negative, like kind of the negative side of the coin. The positive side is, hey, we're just, we're, we're kind of taking some, we're taking some of the blame away from each other. The negative side is, uh oh, even if we do start to fix things, we probably both can't fix things because there's just there's not there's not enough space at the table. Uh, one other topic I'd like to just just nibble at a little, Eddie, is um, we're getting through the championship season here, and uh, your 
club, Blackburn Rovers, are in the hunt for a playoff spot. I just wanted to get a little gauge of your confidence, what you're feeling, the emotions right now. Are you know? Do you? I mean, obviously, I think you do want to see them go up, but I know previously you have said sometimes that you know they weren't ready to go up, and if they do, it's going to be embarrassing. So what? What's what's the feeling like right now, Eddie? So, I mean, they the performances are unspectacular, but have been pretty efficient in recent weeks. Actually, since I think since the turn of the year, they've only lost once. So it's a pretty good. There has been a lot of draws in there, and sometimes. And that win. was at a time when they hadn't like wasn't there a time when they did not draw at all? Yeah, yeah. For the <laughs> yeah, for the sizable chunk of sort of first third of the season, like gone the opposite. <laughs> yeah. But they're doing enough. I mean, they're three points clear. So I guess for maybe American listeners or people who don't follow it, the championships table works. The top two got automatically promoted to the Premier League. And then the next four, so third, fourth, fifth, and sixth, uh, go into a playoff at the end of the season. So they play uh, third, plays sixth, home and away. And the aggregate winner of that goes to the final. And the same is for fourth and fifth. And then it's a one-off winner-takes-all final to decide that final that third promotion place often referred to as the most valuable match in football just because of the revenue that's generated by making the premier league even for one season and then you get parachute payments so to kind of try and ease the financial burden of relegation you get a diminishing amount of premier league revenue over the next few seasons so even one year in the in the premier league is just a kind of you know radically money grab yeah just changes everything <laughs> it means you can get relegated that's why clubs yo-yo because they can kind of go back down still spend a dollar money their wage bill will be astronomical in comparisons with the teams that they're competing with so you know you see the likes of burnley this season you haven't missed a stride in terms of their attempts to go back up so the top two places are gone so there's no chance of automatic promotion so best case scenario is playoffs I am feeling cautiously optimistic that I think they will finish in the top six. The caution is mainly from the fact that, you know, last season they were in the top two at the turn of the year and then didn't even finish in the top six. So I've seen it go badly recently, but different manager, different team. Now you're cautiously optimistic they can finish in the final six, but... Do you think the playoff route is a route that they uh, – is, is it feasible for them? Or do you think that's a disadvantage? I mean, obviously you want to make the top two and they don't have to play in the playoffs. But I, I would say there are probably teams who would be comfortable saying like, okay, put us in a playoff. You know, we're a great, you know, need a one-win team. We can do it. Yeah. Is Blackburn one of those teams? No, because they're not consistent and they the performances are routinely subpar. So that's, I mean, you're talking about it's a three-game run. So it's short. It's packed into a 10-day 10, 10 period. So larger squads do help because, I mean, you're obviously going to put your best 11 out there, but you, you might have injuries and suspensions and there's you know no way around that at that point in the season. I would always favor... I think to consider the championship season's long. It's 46 matches. Being good defensively over the course of those 46 matches 
is more important than free-flowing attacking football. But once you put yourself into a three-game kind of winner-takes-all scenario, I would rather be a team that knows they can always score goals. And that is not what this Blackburn team is. And so that would worry me is that I don't know if we're built to, you know, over the course of three matches to get promoted, you'd probably want to say we need a minimum of eight goals in these three matches. And I don't know if they can, I'd feel confident that they can deliver. And I certainly wouldn't feel comfortable if they were, you know, a goal down with 30 minutes to go. It's difficult to see sometimes where the goals are coming from. So probably not a team built to succeed in the playoffs, but it's look, it's, it's a three matches. Anything can happen. If you, know, you, you, you buy your ticket to the dance and then you just hope for the best afterwards. As for, are they ready to be promoted? No. I think if I, an honest assessment of this squad is that they maybe have two or three Premier League quality players. There's absolutely no way, even if they were promoted, that they're going to do the uh, Nottingham Forest and sign 20 plus players. That's just not going to happen. So they'd go straight back down. They'd probably be, you know, Manchester City would probably score 15 goals against them in the two matches next season. Like it's <laughs> going to be painful, but I'd take it because again, you, that financial, that huge financial injection then means the following season, you'd be favorites for promotion. You would expect to come back up. You can try and so, build. So is that kind of the goal then? I mean, I, I obviously the goal is to, to stay up, but is the goal kind of to get up there, get your money then maybe build the team. Okay, you drop back down, but then continue to build it and then yeah. pop back up. And that will kind of be your, what, one, two, going into your third year with higher wages that at that point, like your second in- introduction back in, you should be able to kind of make a jump. Yeah, I think, yeah, every team is going to say, get up, stay up, and then, you know, hope you can, and then usually the the sort of, idea is once you stayed in the Premier League for three seasons at that point that should that's the kind of stability that should mean you you should be trying to avoid relegation battles which you know Blackburn were last promoted to the Premier League in in 2001 got up and stayed up and flirted with relegation a little bit early on but actually had you know were in the top half of the Premier League pretty much right until things started to go sour uh, in the season or two before they went down I, the, but yeah, the likely way to establish yourself in the Premier League is probably two, maybe even three consecutive promotions and relegations so that you do start playing players more. You start to try and build a squad. And I think that's also one of the challenges because when you get promoted to the Premier League, you have to do an honest assessment when you're then trying to sign players. The smart thing to do sometimes is to admit defeat almost. You know, the odds are stacked against us. We are probably being relegated. So we should probably try and sign players who will stick with us when we get relegated because there's no point signing. You know, you could go out and sign Neymar. He's not hanging around to play in the championship. So you want to sign players who you've got a good chance of holding on to and who you're probably saying to them, even if we go down, right, You let's try and build this together. And then also players who are then suited to the possibility of playing in that division because the style of play is radically different. So it puts teams in a little bit like, are you building a team for a Premier League or are you almost accepting that you're going to be relegated and building a team to succeed in the championship the following season? 
But yeah, I think if Blackburn were to, if there is a moment in my life when Blackburn have established themselves as a Premier League team again, it will probably involve two, I will, I'll say three consecutive promotions and relegations. Like I cannot imagine the, if you, if you ask me to set the odds right now on Blackburn, not only being promoted this season, but also staying up next season. I mean, it would be in the thousands. So (laughs) (laughs) like a thousand to one might start to, I might tell myself then maybe it's worth it, but I think realistically 5,000, 10,000 to one, is you know what probably what you'd say the real odds are on them achieving both of those things, and yeah, I guess while we're talking about the Premier League, then final little note: Arsenal passed another one of those tricky little tests. They weren't particularly great on Saturday, but picked up a one 0 win, and then you know City looked pretty good against Bournemouth, but Bournemouth are pretty awful. Speaking of teams that will be should be planning for a future in the Championship, and. Uh, now Arsenal get to play Bournemouth next week, so that should be an easy three points for them. And it it will get to the point where things start to become very favorable for them mathematically. They still got that second game against City. That's when I'm really going to make my... I mean, I'm, <laughs> I still think City will win it. But uh, as, the week, as each week passes, obviously, the odds increase for Arsenal. April 26th, that date would be Eddie. Yeah, which is pretty far away and pretty late in the season. So it's not the boldest claim to say, I want to wait until then to absolutely <laughs> declare my hand. But I'm, I'm going to say for yeah. now, I'm sticking, I'm sticking with City for now. And then Chelsea would have five after, uh, Chelsea, Jesus. Arsenal would have five after that, one of which being Chelsea and the other being Newcastle, which is might be a tough opponent that late in the season as well. So yeah, so and they've, three they've a, out of their last six are pretty tough. Well, I mean, yeah. I'm considering Chelsea tough, but you know, that's, but yeah, it's, it's, it's still tough because they've got good players and you just never know. You can't just you never expect know. <laughs> three points yeah. um, and even a draw at that stage. You know, they've got a five point gap now. So let's say they match each other until then, until that head to head. If city were to win that, you cut that to two points then yeah, that puts, you know, they can't afford then to drop points in any of their remaining matches. So ties against Chelsea and Newcastle. It's tough when you can't even afford to draw. So yeah, we'll see. I'm sure both of them will drop points between now and April 26th. And then just, just a quick peek into the last match week. It would be um, Arsenal versus Wolves and City versus Brentford. Yeah, you'd. I mean, you'd think both of those teams. Uh, Wolves is. I don't know. They're, they're collapsing. They're probably. They're probably eke, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you'd, you'd say both of those teams would expect to take care of business, but then we kind of had that last season, right, when you expected City to just stroll past Aston Villa, and it ended up being a thriller that involved having to come back from two goals down. So, you know, yeah. once you get to the final day of the season, the nerves are going to be, you know. It's like standing over a three three foot putt at Augusta, right? It's you might make them ninety nine times out of a hundred under any other circumstance, but it's different taking that knowing what's on the line. 
Actually, speaking of Augusta, Eddie, I started the Full Swing Netflix documentary. I'm two episodes in, so I'll wait a little bit till we discuss that because I've, I've just broken into the live scenario, and you know how much I love the live golf tour. So I am just eating this up. I can't wait to get home and watch and hear more about live golf tour because I don't talk about it enough. Um, but yeah, I, I think we'll, we'll have a little discussion on that once I get a little further, or even maybe when I finish it. But what we can discuss, television well, just, related, just as love oh, golf, oh, just oh. as love golf, just and we can move on from that. You know, just congratulations at the weekend that thriller of a tournament that uh, Live Golf had, and congratulations to Charles Howell the third, star-studded lineup, and he managed to to take the take the grand prize at their event in in Mexico. I did watch a, a tiny bit of it, um, but it was not exactly. Not exactly thrilling already when it's only a three round tournament and you win by four strokes it's uh, <laughs> not exactly uh nail-biting stuff but yeah take us on to the next topic i was gonna say we can discuss episode seven of the last of us so spoiler warning ahead here we are going to discuss everything that happens in episode seven and hopefully Eddie will shut his fat trap about other things that happened in the game that we don't know about yet. So we won't spoil that, but you never know. That's just be fair warned. <laughs> um, but I, I have to say a good starting point here might be there are probably a lot of people out there that have uh, bad first kiss stories. But as far as stories go, <laughs> this could be the worst first kiss story in the history of the Last of Us universe. <laughs> it's, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's up there. It's up there. It's, it makes the short list of how badly could your first kiss go. It was a. It wasn't the most exciting episode ever. It did the keys, a little bit of a backstory that you know you need for character development, but it certainly yeah. wasn't. It maybe dragged on a little bit. I have to say, it was a little bit slow in the exploring the mole. They could have cut to the chase, probably a bit. Um, yeah, I mean, I think. It, they, I think they tried to kind of replicate a little bit of the Bill and Frank yeah, type but story. But the issue is you don't have two phenomenal actors. And, I, it's, and that's not saying that they're not good actors. They are. But I still think there's a slight difference when, one, you're going through just a four-hour scenario versus chronologically over a lifetime. But then, two, I mean, they are limited a little bit in, in their acting abilities compared to, you know, two great television actors who have done, you know, really phenomenal roles for decades. <laughs> oh, you weren't won over by Walmart Zendaya? <laughs> that is, I'm sorry, but that's quite an insult to Zendaya. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we were almost watching that episode in real time, which is the big difference between the Bill and Frank episode. So you weren't yeah. seeing, you know, that was a 20-year story arc. There that allowed them to pick up on key moments and we were watching them walk around a mall, switch things on, you know, there was a 90 second escalator scene. I've rarely uh, said, <laughs> oh my, can I get some more of that escalator, please? But I, see, I'm okay with it, but I agree with you. Then like, have that be the thing. Then don't have it be like another thing that they're enthralled about that lasts five more minutes, you know, and then another thing that they've never seen before that lasts another five minutes, you know, like 
as as a one-off, I thought that was funny, but then once it was like the next thing, then the next thing, yeah. then the next thing. But it also goes back to kind of what we discussed last time, which is this to me, there was a lot of inconsistencies then in terms of how aware she is of things in the world. Like how does she know Mortal Kombat, but doesn't know what an escalator is? You know what I mean? Like there's- See, I don't think, you're right, but I don't think she knows Mortal Kombat. I think she just has that poster and maybe like, like a comic book or something. Well, considering we pretty much watched it in real time, they put the money into the Mortal Kombat machine. And I'm not saying, I'm not, she clearly hadn't played it before, but she wasn't like, what do I do? It was, oh, okay, I get it. I bash buttons and stuff. Like there was an instant understanding of what like you do in an arcade, which for someone who's never experienced an arcade seems difficult. Like I feel like you'd, get the escalator way faster than you'd get the video game personally. <laughs> but I had a couple questions that came from it. One I'll say for the end, because it's kind of a more bigger discussion, but in probably the most unrealistic twist of this TV series so far, which is saying something considering we're talking about a, you know, fungal zombie apocalypse, but the chances that all of this stuff would work with the exception. Okay. The photo booth came out, not, yeah. but everything else just worked. And yeah. also looting took place and the looting, like showing people took sneakers, but didn't take soap. It's a little bit amusing, right? I think everything gets taken just because people, I mean, we saw in the pandemic, people hoarding toilet paper. I think people are taking the soap. Also, they're just trying to take the money. So they're definitely smashing every window. The fact that no one took the arcade money, <laughs> that that just sat there dormant for 20 yeah. years. But no, yeah, the yeah. fact that everything worked. No one took the air hockey machine? Come on. <laughs> Classic. <laughs> Who doesn't want an air hockey machine during an uh, apocalypse? I bet you Frank had one in his basement. And it does raise the larger question, too, of just why are they not trying to return to some kind of normalcy like it's been 20 years like why are they not if they do have this mall the okay, ability they, to yeah. open the mall up why yeah, like, aren't they yeah like i wouldn't be seriously questioning the governance of my <laughs> of the zone when i'm like wait hold on a second like we can flick a switch and actually kind of have some nice stuff and you guys just aren't doing it like you can't clear out the the infected from this this wouldn't be priority number one almost yeah yeah, I, I, I kind of when I was watching this, I thought the same thing. So they have this mall that for the most part is blocked off and is functioning completely normal. Like they just flip a switch 20 years later. Everything's worked. There's no rust to anything, you know, like crazy. Like even the escalator, I have to think after 20 years, there must be shit built up on that escalator that there's no way it's still just instantly working. You've got to clean something. And it works smoothly. <laughs> Right, it, yeah, didn't, yeah, it yeah. didn't creak into motion. It was going no. like you. You think you need some WD forty on it to just stop it from the noise that it would be making. Wouldn't be great. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, maybe they should be opening up. And, and the other thing is, let's just talk a little bit about electricity here. They turned on that whole wall. That's a hell of a lot of electricity they're running. Like, how's the grid not noticing? No this? one's noticing a surge. There's not someone no. monitoring like the electricity usage. Massive surge. Yeah. And they're like, hold on a second. Our our usage rate has just gone up by 700%. What on earth has happened? 
And I know she said that they were in this kind of semi-bunker, but it's also difficult to imagine that absolutely no light would escape. No, all malls have windows still, though. <laughs> yeah. Like some sort of windows. Yeah. It's just like, no, 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 no. no I have, don't worry. Absolutely no one will notice the fact that we... And also yeah. no one else has had this idea, seemingly. Yeah. Like this is... We're just two brave 15-year-old girls. Up until this point, no one's thought of this. Just because I've told them that there's some infected there. <laughs> They're building bombs to blow each other up and they won't flick a switch and go play some video games every once in a while. Yeah. I mean, it. The, the show, it's just a good show. So even though I think that was the episode I probably enjoyed the least, it's still a really good show. And they still do like some really cool things like bringing that pun book like back and seeing the backstory of like how she got it and why it's so meaningful to her. And, and like, that's just like cool touches I, on this yeah. show that they, they really invest the time for good writing <laughs> and good and, story development. And this episode, you might say they're almost a little hamstrung by the video game because obviously it takes place in the video game, not yep. shot for shot. But so if they leave out that backstory and just kind of allude to it, people have said like, well, why didn't you, include this particularly given the fact that right when the last of us came out as a video game it was hailed for being progressive in the sense of having a a gay primary character and so if they had left that bit of the story out you would have had you know conspiracy theorists even though you had an episode dedicated to a gay male couple you still would have had conspiracy theorists saying why are we leaving out this backstory about ellie well Eddie, real quick, they actually did leave that scene out in the streaming service in Dubai. They did not show the nice. kiss. <laughs> Just <Nice>. FYI. <laughs> so not the worst first kiss in Dubai. So they got that going for them. Yeah. So I have one larger question, though. So obviously. All right. Wait, wait. Hold on. Hold on. Before you get in your larger one. I want to do like a you like a you and I because we kind of like touched on this. Would that mall be your go-to if you could choose like one place you could go to that you could flip the switch back on and enjoy is the mall your go-to there um i'm, I'm alone uh, well, you have one one friend, friend. doesn't yeah. have to be in a sexual capacity <laughs> i mean it, it would be at that point if that's your, <laughs> i mean if that's your only friend right this is you're just ex- <laughs> just Oh yeah, hundred percent. We're just gonna be real sometimes. Like prison rules would apply. But Okay. So prison. That's your choice. <laughs> yeah. Um I, I it, in terms of giving you a variety of activities, then yeah, it's probably high on the list. Cause you, I could say something simple like, oh, it would be cool to have like a local bar that I could go and switch back on. But the beer would all be, you know, like yeah. You, what could you do? You, you'd have some. You could hard... you could play your the quiz machine. Yeah, <laughs> you'd be okay. so happy. <laughs> if the quiz machine is working, I'm in. If it's you and Sam that are stuck together, you guys definitely go for the quiz machine. Yeah. Prison rules would definitely apply for Sam. So, fifty <laughs> percent of the equation would already be solved. But um, I, yeah, I think. And then also, like, right, part of the reason I like going to bars is to watch sport. There would be no sport to watch. So the TVs flicking back on wouldn't do me any good. So I think, yeah, the, uh, an arcade. And, I mean, that's it's really just the arcade, right? Like, that's yeah. 
the only. Well, they didn't take they didn't take advantage of the. They had a seemingly a movie theater in there. I mean, that would have been a cool one. You could pop into the movie theater. I'm sure they have a ton of movies in the back that you could play. You just have to learn how to do a projector. Yeah, that's the. I don't know how to operate a projector. So. I think you could figure it out. <laughs> I mean, you got all the time in the world, so yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think the arcade would be it at least give you something, and you could just. I mean, there was a lot of games in that arcade. I would just we'd be with whoever I was with. I'd just be setting up right. We're creating like leagues, high scores, every single game, and we're just gonna yeah. kind of have regular battles and everything you get bored of it eventually but it, it could it could help me make it through a few more years probably yeah i was thinking kind of like similar you could do like those amusement parks that have go-karts and batting cages and like a laser tag and an arcade that would be a pretty cool one maybe laser tag 1v1 though that's that's rough <laughs> Then know. you could bring a third friend, and yeah. it's two v one every time. <laughs> yeah, but okay. On a similar, along similar lines, though, my larger question is: so, major spoiler, obviously, for this episode, they both are bitten. Uh, this is kind of Ellie's origin story for her bite, and then figuring out that she's immune. Not without removing any real thoughts in your mind that you might be immune, because obviously neither of them like not something that they think is possible. Do you just accept that you're going to become a zombie? Like, do you, what's the downside at that point? Do you do option two? Like she said, option yeah, two is like, cause option was, was option one, I think was they killed themselves. And option yeah. two was, we just let this play out. Yeah. But it's like, what's the real downside? Because obviously, yes, you lose your, your life, not spectacular. And you also, you're assuming lose your, you know, we don't know how we much don't know. Maybe there's or, still some something going on back yeah. in the higher higher cortex there. Exactly. So that would like it would be depressing. Yeah. But when you don't really have a lot else going on in your life, like you only have each other and you've both been bitten, I think I would just say, ah, oh well, this removes a lot of stress. <laughs> yeah. I, oh, I, I just go option two. I just let it play out. Maybe, maybe if I'm in my peak of like, what was that 2016, 2017, when I was at my strongest, maybe I become a bloater and I can really cause some damage. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'll, I'll be, I'll, I'll be the short king bloater. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a, that's the other thing. Which type do you want to be? You probably don't want to yeah. be a clicker. That's, no, I'd like to uh, see still. So. Yeah. But do you want to yeah, be? I would. I would take short king bloater. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. No, but I, I'll tell you what. That was actually, I think the the part that I connected with most, like like emotionally, what I thought was the best part of the episode was when Bella Ramsey just kind of finds out, and she's just like smashing glass and just screaming. That was a very, I think, real reaction to how a lot of people would just like that instant realization that oh shit, like we're dead great we're dead in eight to 12 hours great and just kind of screaming and and you know not being able to kind of accept it and comprehend it that was real that was like a really real emotion i like that yeah i mean the other complicated thing right is the rate at which you transform might not be the same yeah. so then like do you hang around each other like at what you know how do you balance that out of 
and are you going to maul the other one to death? Like, if you're carrying, well, I think seemingly you're probably just going to infect them. Yeah, but sometimes they kill people. You know, like sometimes it seems pretty brutal, right? But if you if they can they sense that you're already infected, so then they lose interest in you. You know, there's well, no, because what's her favorite? Remember episode two with Tess? She was infected, and that other one came and still gave her like that really gross make make out session. (laughs) Can they cut that out? Hey, could be. Worst first kiss, but maybe best, best second, second kiss. kiss. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. Now, I, yeah, I, I just, I mean, it would be a downer for sure, but I would just accept. Uh, I let it play out. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, I guess my question also with that is, do you think we're going to see further what happens? Because there's obviously the implication from Ellie that she's, shot or killed someone before and i mean i think the assumption would be that it's her um when she turns so i'm i think we'll see more of that and i think we'll see how she gets into the hands of the fireflies and why they don't kill her i think we'll be kind of i i think that's down the pipeline yeah no yeah a hundred percent we have to see there's going to be kind of one more full episode dedicated to that bit of the origin story and maybe that would be my criticism is you could have made that all one episode and then that would have been. Yeah. Or maybe it'll play in like what, like if they eventually find the fireflies, maybe like there'll be a flashback as, you know, like how did you get, how did this happen? And then they'll flash back and show the end. Maybe, yeah. Yeah. Know. It might not be in the remainder of this season. I hope it's yeah. not because we've, we've got what, three episodes left? Two. Two episodes, Two episodes left. left. So I hope it not, there's not another one yeah. focusing on this. You know, we need to know does Joel live or die? I mean, Joel lives. But 100%, this guy's got a fucking bacterial infection. <laughs> he might not be have a, he might not have a fungal infection. He might not be, he might not be infected, but he's got a bacterial infection for sure. Because not only was he stabbed with a wooden bat end, he then got it pulled out and was just getting wiped on with towels that had been in a house for 20 years and then sewn with a stitch that she did not clean or disinfect no, at all made there's no, no way that's not infected made no attempts to i clean. mean there's no there's no point at that point because she was literally wiping blood with a 20 year old towel like yeah. come on that towel's got stuff on it for sure yeah now but she made no attempts to clean the wound or the things that she was using. Also, I mean, it's also inter- interesting treatment treatment for a stab wound that you have to imagine is a couple of inches deep to just stitch up the outside. I hope for the best. <laughs> the, in- the inside will take care of itself. This is what they always say. Keep the bleeding <laughs> yep. internal and you will be fine. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, it didn't look pleasant. Someone get that motherfucker antibiotics quick. <laughs> But yeah, it's, you know, two episodes left and traditionally in HBO shows, the penultimate is kind of the the big time episode. So we'll have to see if this next one is kind of the little bit of the climax of the season. And then the last episode kind of brings it into next season. We'll, we'll have to see. But um, yeah, two episodes. Crazy. Quick. Yeah, quick and slow, I guess. And yeah, and then we get a few. We're not far off while the Mandalorian comes back. March 1st, right? So we get to go straight into another Pedro Pascal yep. vehicle. If and it is uh, actually is Pedro Pascal under there. <laughs> yeah. It's just not him just saying recording seven lines a year. Yeah. And being like, just write me the check, please. I mean, how much do you think you got this paid for that? This is the way. 
Yeah. <laughs> How much do you think he got paid for that episode of The Last of Us? Because he was on screen for about 80 seconds. Still got the residuals. Yeah. But, uh, but no, he was... Yeah, and then also, obviously, Ted Lasso, not too far off making a return. So. Yep. And then Top Chef International in London and Paris. I did see news came out over the last few days. They are bringing Jeopardy to the UK, uh, a show that a rare, ver- actually, example of Is a- Trebek going to do it? <laughs> yeah. He's a fungal zombie now. So, they, but um, a rare example of- a kind of game show coming the other way, the other way, because yeah. yeah, the vast majority are. Speaking of which, I watched uh, last week the chase, the American version. I've never watched it, but I watched it for the first time. It no, no good compared Doesn't to the UK version. No, because like they try and have the attitude that the UK guy has but it's not genuine and it's like bad acting. So it's just not good. How much money do they win on it? Is it uh, a, a large sum? Like 250,000. I think okay. you went up to. Cause or, I think or... that's, that's also sometimes part of the charm of the UK version, like a good, good outing on the chase. You maybe make 10,000 pounds each. Like that's a pretty nice cause you kind of rack yeah. up. And I think part of the charm of it is not being low budget, but the sense of people who are going on it are not going on it for kind of completely life-changing sums of money. And it's like an afternoon TV show of someone saying, I kind of think I'm decent at quizzes. Let me apply to the chase and get myself on there. I mean, I had a a former college girlfriend who went on, on the chase in the UK. She did not win money. So burn. Yeah. <laughs> Take that. <laughs> but I might well, I might see, maybe I could see if I can get myself onto Jeopardy in the UK. But that's Jeopardy's just nice. such a much more intense. I've applied multiple times to be on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire and yet to make get the call up, but Jeopardy. <laughs> whereas I'd be extremely confident that I could get a decent win on Who Wants to Be a Millionaire. Uh, Jeopardy. Jeopardy is so dependent on the categories. And you there are to... days I watch it that I crush it, and then there are days I watch it and like in either the first or the double Jeopardy round, I won't get like four questions. Yeah, and also just with like the number of sort of professional quizzers that there are in the UK, you know, it's yeah. going to be the type of people who are the the competition on the chase. Like you're going to have to yeah. be you're going to have to really be good at random trivia to to be successful. Y- you have a better chance of becoming a celebrity and then getting on Celebrity Jeopardy and crushing it because those questions are easy as hell. (laughs) (laughs) We just watched the last Celebrity Jeopardy uh, like two weeks ago. They had one of the finals on and I'm not like trying to be arrogant. I think in the double Jeopardy round, I missed two questions out of all of them. Like just they're not difficult. (laughs) Yeah, which would be tough. Like I think that would I'm not sure if I would enjoy that. Because then it's hard to be like if you want it and like you can't feel that great about yourself for being like, what color is a fire engine? Oh, I got that. <laughs> you know, like how how good about yourself do you possibly feel? All right. Well, with that, we'll, we'll call the wrap. And we'll see you later.